Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. gentlemen to this latest installment of believe in the rockets only on the believe podcast network as always i'm your host cody davis please remember to follow me on twitter at cody davis underscore 24 once again that's cody c-o-t-y-d-a-v-i-s underscore 24 and i'm doing something a little bit different for the next couple of episodes i have a guest host with me you guys should know him especially you rockets fans out there (laughs) Please, let's keep it PG, no beef or anything. <laughs> you guys know my brother, Big Sarge. What's going on? Well, let me say this. I have a look, look, on my very first show, I have an announcement to make. Mm-hmm. I'm retiring from pickup basketball. <laughs> this is an exclusive only for Believe in the Rockets podcast, only for, for, for this podcast and my announcing this, I held on to this exclusive all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm retiring from pickup <laughs> basketball. Hey, look, and I'm retiring as a winner, so that's why you, you go out when you're on top, because I'm not going to even lie, man. After uh, So for those of you all who are listening and don't know, <laughs> we got a chance during the exit interviews today, as we were waiting on the players and the general manager and the coach, head coach, Steven Silas, to come in, we got a chance to play a little pickup basketball on the Rockets practice court. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. We look like the wacky world of sports. <laughs> like- it, was, it was bad. It was bad. It, oh, my God. And honestly, I feel some kind of way because I took pride when we started that three-on-three tournament because, you know, some of my favorite players stepped on that court. Steve Francis, y'all mean Tracy McGrady. And I felt like I did not do them justice, especially on Twitter when I said I was running the point guard like Steve Francis in 2003. Francis, if you're out there and if you're listening, I apologize. Francis, I, I mean, uh, Tracy McGrady, I apologize. Y'all, I apologize. James Harden, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, hell, Jalen Green, every, we all apologize for the shenanigans that we put out on the practice court today. So you just going to pass over like Trevor Reza and Luis Scola and all of them, Matt well, Maloney? I did mention all other All-Stars. I apologize to you. I apologize to you as well. Hey, man, but look, it was one of those things where, and I'll be honest with you, I, I hadn't picked up a basketball in three plus years and it showed. I was saying that there, oh, yeah, I still got a little more. You know, my form was still looking a little good on jump shot while I was airballing them things. I think after the, I don't even know. I think after the first, you remember when they, we was going to three and it was still one one after like fifteen minutes. And I didn't plan on playing pickup basketball because hey, listen, I am uh, for those of y'all who know me, I am a huge Jordan one mid and high fan. Like I love, I got a almost a room full of of Jordan Air Jordan ones. The, the shoot. Worst tennis shoe ever to play in, bro. My feet are still burning. And we stopped playing at what, 1, one o'clock or 12? Yeah, yeah, it was like 12 because it was right before lunch. But Michael Jordan warned us that hooping in the, the first Jordans are terrible. I, he had a game in Madison Square Garden where he played. I can't remember what year that was. That might have been a year where he dropped the double nickel in mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. And it was some kind of 
um, like the anniversary of the shoe and he played and he was talking about how bad his feet were actually bleeding because he was playing a whole NBA game in that shoe. So it's horrible, man. So, yeah. So I just like, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of disappointed people out there who will never get a chance to see Big Sarge in another pickup game. And I apologize, but, you know, this is my farewell, farewell <laughs> speech exclusively right here on the Believe in Rockets podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I don't know if I'm retiring as of yet. I might just hold on to the point somebody just put me out like Kevin Gardner years ago. <laughs> hey, Lisa, I got hey look, Lisa, I got on the court more than I can say for John Wall. Well, yeah, and that is why we're here today. And that's the only reason why we had an opportunity to play three on three basketball on the Houston Rockets practice court, because as SARS just mentioned, we was there for the Houston Rockets exit interviews. And before we jump into what Raphael Stone had to talk about, and of course, where do the Houston Rockets go from here? If you are looking for a place to wager this year, Bet online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you will receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just remember to use the promo code believe to get started. Believe is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Because bet online is where the game starts. Sarge, Sunday night was an amazing, I, I, I don't want to call it an amazing day for the Houston Rockets, but it showed that this organization has promise. And that yeah. one guy, Jalen Green, the Houston Rockets did unfortunately lose their final game of the season, 130 to 114 to the Atlanta Hawks. But in that game, Jalen Green ended his rookie season with a career high 41 points. Of course, if you guys do not know, he also won rookie of the month to close out the season. And Sarge, you and me, we talked about this guy's development from the very first day we saw him in training camp all the way up until the performance that he put on the show on Sunday. What is it that have you excited about the future of Jalen Green, especially considering that this is a guy, you and I, we talked to him both on and off record. We saw him go through his rookie struggles. We saw people talk about him bad. We saw people cheer him on. Like, what have what, what is the main takeaway that you saw from Jalen Green throughout his rookie season? I seen a young man who has the it factor. And what I mean by the it factor is he's one of those guys that when he steps onto the court, he isn't afraid of any moment. He isn't afraid of any competitor. He isn't afraid of anything. He has that it factor. And you can see it as time went on throughout the season. He was one of those guys that you could just see evolving into something. Now, coming into the season, you know, of course, being a rookie. And even though he had that G League experience, he didn't have that NBA experience. Mm -hmm. And so it took him a while, a little while to to get going and to learn the game. And then once he finally started learning the game, he got injured and he had to sit out. And so and I think that you remember him telling us that when he was sitting out, he got a chance to actually learn the game as well mm -hmm. from just watching. And although it was hard for him not to be on the court, he got a chance to actually look at the game. And then he started to realize, okay, here's what I need to do in order to, to be successful. So when you look at that young man, like I said, he has that it, it factor. I mean, think about what he told us today. 
when I said, are you happy that you get to, you know, get rid of the label as rookie and now you're a veteran and you're going to be able to teach these young guys coming in? And he said, well, I never thought of myself as a rookie anyway. Like that's a guy that you know that that is not willing to. I mean, that's not afraid to take the big shots. There's a lot. So there's a lot of talented guys in the NBA. There's a lot of talented young guys. A lot of young talented guys in the NBA that don't have that it factor. And you know, maybe one day we'll get to that when we talk some some more NBA. But here's a guy that coming down. Uh, I put it like this. Did you notice how much they started to go to him towards the end of the quarters? Mm-hmm. And they even started to set up some plays at the end of the games that they were, that they had a chance to either tie or to win. And so just having that it factor for him is one of the things that I noticed, especially. So we make a lot out of how much he growed after um, how much he, excuse me, matured and how better of a basketball player he became after the all-star break. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because his last three games before the All-Star break, I got a chance to watch. Remember, they played in Salt Lake City against the Utah Jazz. Then they went and they played against the Phoenix Suns in uh, in Arizona. And then his last game was against the Clippers before he had to fly out to Cleveland. His last game was against the Clippers in L.A. before he had to fly out to Cleveland. And I'm saying to myself that, I'm saying to myself as I'm watching these three games, and even after the Clippers game, I said, something about this young man is different now. It's He's really starting to get it. He's really starting to, to, to get the game in the finest spots. And you remember when he said, he told us after one game, I can't remember which game it was, Cody, but you remember he told us when I asked him about shooting the mid-range more, and he, and he said, yeah, I'm going to have to start doing that a little bit more. I'm starting to learn that. And then from that point on, once he incorporated that mid-range game and stopped being isolated in the corner so much, waiting on the corner three and started to get to his spots, he just took off. What I love most about Steven Silas is the fact that I believe he is the perfect coach for Jalen Green. And I said that because when you go back and you take a look at Stephen Silas's history, he coached Baron Davis. He coached a young LeBron James. He coached a young Steph Curry. He coached a young Luka Doncic. Why are those names important? All four of those guys became all-stars in their own right. And look, LeBron on a different level, Steph Curry <laughs> on a different level, Luka is going to be on a different level. I think Jalen Green having an opportunity to start his career with Steven Silas as his coach was the most important and the best thing that ever happened to him. And Sarge, you remember, I think this was during the time when he was struggling. I had an opportunity to ask Steven Silas, how do you coach Jalen Green and help him get through the struggle of the quote unquote rookie wall? And he talked about he's been down this road before and he gave Jalen Green a blueprint of what Baron Davis followed, what LeBron James followed, what Curry followed, what Luca followed, and even Kimba. I don't want to leave Kimba out as well, even though Baron Davis and Kimba's name should not be included with those other things. <laughs> <laughs> they were still all-stars. He helped them. Some ballers. Yeah, they were still ballers at the prime of their careers. You know, it's unfortunate yeah. that injuries kind of derail um, Kimba and Baron Davis, but especially when you take a look at what Luca is right now, and of course, Steph and LeBron, everyone knows what they're going to be. I think, like I just mentioned, Steven Silas is the perfect coach that had that, that to be in a position where you can finally see Jalen Green grow into the player that we all think he's going to be. You got to give a shout out to, uh, to assistant head coach, 
John Lucas. Mm-hmm. Because you remember when he was going through his shooting slump, that was late January when he, uh, in three games, he combined for Five 17 points. Yeah, and it was 17 points total. It was mm-hmm. seven, three, and seven. And so he, you, you remember after practice, you could see him using a shooting machine. You could see mm-hmm. John Lucas working with him. And one of, his, one of the turnarounds and one of the things that John Lucas installed into what Jalen was doing as far as shooting was a clock. Remember, he said, hey, you're taking too long to shoot the ball. And you're, mm-hmm. you're taking too long to shoot, meaning you're thinking too much. And when you're thinking too much, your release is off. Get the ball, have that internal clock in your head, and just shoot. If you miss it, okay, it doesn't matter. But you need to get into the rhythm of just shooting the ball. And so after some of the practices, you would see Jalen working, and you would hear John Lucas counting down. You know, count starting down, it will be like three, two, one, three, two, one, two, one, one. As soon as he catched the ball, he had to, to let it go and, and to release it. So John Lucas definitely – deserves a lot of that credit. But here's here, here's what I want to say, too. And I know that we're going to get into this a little bit later on, talking about uh, what, what head coach Steven Silas and what uh, general manager Rafael Stone has done for this young Rockets team. The reason why I think that one of the main reasons I think that Jalen Green was so successful, especially coming down the stretch, is that he realized that it's his team. Hmm. And even though you have, a, you know, a veteran like a, a, a Eric Gordon, or you have a veteran like a Christian Wood, and even during the time, you know, having uh, a Dennis Schroeder, he's on a team where he realizes that this is going to be his team one day. And even when KPJ was going off, because KPJ had 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 great numbers down the stretch as well in his last mm-hmm. seven games, but if you notice, it was like. Jalen just played his part till it was time for him not to play his part anymore. And what I mean by that is he wasn't saying anything. You didn't see him complaining. You didn't see him complaining to KPJ. Sometimes KPJ was taking some ill-advised shots. It was cool because towards the end of the game or in the second half, they started running the offense or getting the ball to Jalen. And so being on a team like that, when you have a Kevin Porter Jr., when you have a Josh Christopher, when you have an Alperin Shingun, when you have a Uzman, when you have a KJ Martin, those young guys realize that this guy is the one, you know, that this guy is the one. And so I don't think that I think that Jalen Green landed in a perfect situation. I think that Rafael Stone made the perfect call by drafting Jalen Green because he's in a situation now where everybody is going to build together. And by building together, I mean, Jalen is going to be the lead dog and everybody else is just going to follow him. So he's in the perfect situation. Tons of people take vitamins but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, materials, superfoods, antibiotics to start your day off right. Their special blend ingredient supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and of course, aging. It's also lifestyle friendly, and it also fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So claim your health and arm your immune system today. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easier, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune support vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreen.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreen.com slash believe. Athletic Green, take ownership of your health. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. Got my man, Big Sarge, as my guest host for today. And Sarge, as I alluded to in the first segment, the Rockets have a lot of promise. We just finished talking about Jalen Green. Later on in the week, maybe next week or whatever the case might be, we're going to talk about Shingun. We're going to talk about Christopher. We're going to talk about um, Kevin Porter Jr. And as you heard me ask Raphael Stone, you know, how do you manage drafting the best player available versus what you need? Because I think with this young core that the Rockets have, they already have their foundation in place. And, you know, when you have a foundation in place, you don't want to shake it up too much because you don't want any setbacks. But my only issue and concern that I really have with this organization is where do they go from here? And when I when, when, when and what I mean by they is where do Raphael Stone and Steven Silas go from here? Because I get it. Last year, let's rewind the clock back. Stone took over as general manager. Steven Silas took over as head coach. They thought that they was getting themselves in this situation. Russell Westbrook and James Harden say, no, 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 no. Y'all about to be thrown in this unfortunate situation. Yes. It looked like things was going to be okay when you was running the show with John Wall and Christian Wood and Victor Oladipo. According to you, you gave them that nickname, the <laughs> wow factor. Um, and it seems like, okay, okay, maybe this rebuild. Not Kelly Olenek as well. Yeah, and, and Kelly Olenek as well. But then injuries came into play, and all of a sudden, they go on this 20-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. This season, you bring in younger guys, reporters, fans, even people within that organization. We knew it was going to be a rough year. They finished the year 20-62 and 62 for the second season in a row. They finished with the league's worst record. Where do the Houston Rockets go in year three of this rebuild? Because as of right now, they are sitting at 37-117. and 117. I do not see this team fighting for a play-in tournament next season. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm looking at this from the standpoint of Stone and Solis and Sarge, you know me. I want, I'm 100% rooting for Steven Solis, but I, they, they cannot allow this organization to finish with the league's worst record for the third consecutive year. You ask where do they go from here? I mean, they're at the bottom right now, Cody. I mean, you can't go any further. Well, I, I had the same conversation so, last year, and I thought that this was going to be an organization trending towards the top. Now, now they did look a little bit more competitive this year, especially after All-Star break. Like, yes, there were some games where if they had just a little bit more experience, they do not finish with the league's worst record. But, Sarge, once again, this is an organization that cannot – finish with the league's worst record for the third year in a row. Well, well, Cody, some of the things that stood out today when we were talking to um, head coach Steven Silas and uh, general manager Raphael Stone was, I don't know if you noticed when um, coach Silas said the mistakes, I mean, the things that you learned this year and the mistakes Mm -hmm. that you had this year are not going to be allowed next year. Mm -hmm. He said, I had a young group who was still learning. 
but they learned and we taught them. And if you're making those same mistakes next year, then things are going to be different. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences to the actions of you not doing what you need to do because you're no longer in that learning curve anymore. Now you're in that doing phase. So you've learned it. Now it's time to apply and do it. And if you heard uh, uh, Raphael Stone say, last year coming in, we came in with, there was no stability. You know, we came in with no stability. We didn't really know where we were going. We had a bunch of young guys and he didn't say this, but I mean, we were there. We seen it. We knew that there was a possibility that John Wall wasn't going to play. So now you're moving a guy in Kevin Porter Jr. who is still inexperienced at the point guard position. He is now leading the team. Right. And now John Wall is removed and now it becomes Christian Woods team. You know, in his mindset, he's like, well, now this is my team. All the while having Eric Gordon say, well, I've been here the longest. I'm the most tenured. It's my team. <laughs> and so there was no stability. And as time went on, I think that they started to get onto some stable ground. And now they realize they have a blueprint. You remember when they all walked in today, when the players walked in, they had something in their hand. And that was a blueprint. That was a blueprint for them to study and to, to, to study in the offseason and come back and be ready and prepared because they've given you all the tools that you need. And so I think that now that they have some stability, they're going to maybe make, they may make some small moves in the off season. They may, they may not, but they're going to get another young talent in here because I mean, we're, I mean, we're for sure that they're going to pick top five, of course. And then, did you hear Raphael Stone say today that we may not even pick? Come yeah, on. I heard, I'm yeah. like, Come on, man. Like you're not. Uh, 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 hold on. Unless you've been, who are you giving up these these picks for? Uh, Anthony Davis. They they yeah. might move him. Are you bringing Anthony Davis? That's yeah. the directory of exactly. organization. You know you go look. Are you gonna give it? You gonna uh uh give them all to Milwaukee for Giannis? Are you get <laughs> like I, I didn't know you were getting Joel and Bead here in nah, Houston. I didn't, I didn't that, oh, matter of fact, you gonna trade him to Dallas for Luca? You know, right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we know that you're going to pick. But I, I, when I look at the Houston Rockets and I look at the last two years, it reminds me of two teams right now who are number one and number two in the Western Conference mm. in the Phoenix Suns and in the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I know that you I, I know people heard me talk about this before and you've seen the video before. But just three years ago, I was in the visiting locker room talking to Devin Booker asking him, hey, what do you think it's going to take for you all to get over the hump? Because if you remember at that time, the Phoenix Suns, they were competing. Remember, mm-hmm. they knocked off, they, they had beat Milwaukee. They, they beat Milwaukee. They beat Golden State. Uh, they beat another really good team. So they had beat some of the best teams. They just couldn't get over the hump because they didn't have that talent or that stability. Now, when they got, uh, when they got Chris Paul to come in there just to stabilize that, it took them over the top. You know, I put them in the finals and now look at it with the opportunity to be able to repeat uh, to make another finals um, appearance. But also look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Look at where the Memphis Grizzlies came from to where they are now. And there's been a lot of comparisons with Jalen Green's game mm-hmm. and John Morant's game. And so, like I say, there, it, I don't think that it'll happen as far as next year. As far as the turnaround, I can see them being in a play-in game next year. I, I honestly, I truly can see them being in a play-in game. But further down the line, I could see them being number five in the Western Conference. Like they, they, they don't have anywhere to go but up. And here's the thing. 
I think it's going to be with Coach Silas. I if he is, if by the All Star break he is successful, and what I mean by successful, gotten them more wins than they had this time around. I could see them extending Stephen Silas maybe another year or two. Maybe another, give him a two-year extension just to see where he can lead the team and, you know, with the option of maybe, you know, if he's not successful going into that next extension year, letting him go. But I honestly and truly believe with what the system that he's trying to put in place and what he's done to develop or help develop some of this young talent that I can see him being, being the coach here for at least another, you know, four to five years. And that's that is what I am hoping for. But Sarge, to your point about the Rockets being, let's say, a playing team, I'm not going to put the expectations on them turning it around like the Phoenix Suns, but I will use this team for an example. And even more so what Stephen Solly said about the mistakes that that you guys made this past season are not going to be acceptable in 2022 for the 2023 season. Stone needs to find a veteran who is going to be okay coming in, playing his role, and actually helping this locker room. And what I mean by that is when you mention the Phoenix Suns, yes, the Phoenix Suns are arguably, if not the best team in the league to date. Yes, the Phoenix Suns went to the finals, but a lot of people fail to realize they actually went, what, nine to 10 years before they was actually competitive again. You mentioned Devin Booker. Devin Booker got on that team, what was he drafted, 2015? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 2016, somewhere along those lines. So you're looking at a situation where he spent four to five years of just not being competitive. And we saw the young man had talent. It wasn't until... Memphis Grizzlies did it, and the Phoenix Suns did it. It wasn't until – hell, I'm going to throw Milwaukee in this as well. It yeah. wasn't until they found some veteran players who actually wanted to come in and play for the organization and help these young players like a Giannis, like a Devin Booker, like a Ja Morant, to get them to where they are today. And in terms of the Houston Rockets, I don't know if they're going to be able to find that veteran player to help these young guys for next season. We'll find them when, though. When, when are you looking for them to find them? Because you're going to have to find them through free agency. Like for me yeah. personally, and I know, you know, later on in the offseason, we'll play a little bit more with the situation. But when I, when I say a veteran that can actually come in and help this organization, I'm looking at somebody like a Kimball Walker who was once an all-star caliber player but knows he's no longer that. But, but he's, he's going to want the ball, though. No, no, like, no but, but here's, and I was about to get to that point. Like, if he was able to come in and actually be a leader that this locker room needs, because, look, over the last two seasons, there is not nobody who is actually the leader of this locker room. And you think Kimball Walker? Kimball Walker not, is not, the leader. I'm not saying Kimball Walker is going. I'm using him as an example. If he was able to come in and take the role, I'm saying somebody like a Kimball Walker was able to come in, somebody who has been in that all-star role, been the guy of that team that actually could come in and help a Kevin Porter Jr., to actually come in and help a Jalen Green. That is when I really see this organization making that transition from being the bottom of the league, let's say, to at least competing for the playing tournament. I'm not saying Kimball Walker exactly, but somebody like a Kimball Walker. Not next year, though. No, no, not next year. Hell, matter of fact, if you don't want me to use Kimball Walker, let's take a look at Rajon Rondo after he left Boston. What did he do? He bounced around to a lot of these rebuilding team and helped provide some stability. Remember that one good year he had in in um in, in Sacramento? 
The yeah. Kings, that was the closest that they ever came to making the playoffs. Playoff Rondo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when you take a look at what Rondo has been able to do, he did it in Sacramento. He did it in that one year where the Pelicans beat the number three seed, Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs. This organization needs somebody like that who will be okay coming in, being more so of a leader in the locker room to help get these young guys to where they want to be and need to be for not just for the Houston Rockets, but for their careers. So, okay. And I, how, 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 like, I guess I can say, I mean, I guess I'm going to ask, and maybe you can give me a range on like, how long has this veteran been in the league? Because, like, you could go and get, like, if you can get Udonis Haslam to come and sit on your bench yeah, no, yeah, yeah, to be a leader, Udonis likes to fight. No, I'm just, I, I, I threw that out as a joke. But, like, and, and, like, how long do you want this veteran to have been in the leagues? Because what it seems like you're asking for is maybe a veteran who is on his last leg or on his last leg about to head out. How can he contribute? It don't have to be on his last day. Like when you take a look at Ray John Rondo, when he joined the Sacramento Kings a couple years ago, he wasn't on his last leg. He was actually still contributing to that, to that team coming off the bench. And but he was old Rondo though. He was no, old. No, no, he, he was not old Rondo at the time, but he was coming off the bench and you could go back and listen to what DeMarcus Cousin had to say. That was actually the best Sacramento Kings team that he ever played on because Rondo brought stability and leadership to that locker room. The same thing when they went to New Orleans with Anthony Davis, it was the same thing. It's a long time ago, though, Cody. It wasn't, but I'm using that as an example of what I think this organization needs in order to be competitive to play meaningful basketball games again. And we're not sitting here talking about them finishing with the league's worst record for the third year in a row. Well, I guess I don't understand what you're saying because if you're going to go out and you're going to get a veteran like that who is you say is going to want to contribute, how are you going to get him to buy into not starting? I mean, that's one of the reasons why that that's one of the reasons why they don't have some of the, the veterans that were here before. One of the reasons is they started to move in a different direction. Hell, you see that they, they paid a guy, or they're getting ready to pay, they paid a guy 42 million this year, and they're gonna pay him another 47 million next year. A veteran guy who has been who's been in this league for a long time, who has been an all-star, who doesn't want to accept that role. So I'm saying. Where are you going to find that? Now, I will say this, not this coming up year, but next year, the Rockets are going to have a lot of cap space in order. They're going to have a lot of money to be able to go out and get that type of guy. But you're going to go out and get a guy like who are you going to get and how much are you going to pay them to sit on the bench? And I put it like this side note. I honestly and truly felt that if they would have went out and got um, if they would have got uh, a guy. At the all-star break, if they would have traded maybe uh, Eric Gordon or, or if they would have traded a Christian Wood and brought that guy in and let him play the second half of the season to see the direction and the course that the Houston Rockets are going in, then yes, I could, I could probably see that. But to bring somebody in who still is competitive, who still wants to play, and maybe hasn't accepted that role of coming off the bench. But that's my point. Rondo at that time, when I'm I'm using him as an example, Rondo at that time accepted his role coming off the bench and being more so of a leader. He did that in Sacramento. He did that in New Orleans. Hell, he did it in Los Angeles with the Lakers. But, you know, that's a whole different story because they got a, a so-called GOAT on that team. Chicago, uh, too, right? Um, Yeah, he did it in Chicago as well. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, 
I think that's what this organization needs. I'm not saying that it's Rondo. I'm not saying that it's, that it's Kimber Walker. I'm saying that it's somebody who will be okay. Yes, you still want to contribute. Yeah, you, you could contribute by 16 to 20 minutes per game coming off the bench, but more so being a leader in that locker room. And when I take a look at what Phoenix is doing, what Milwaukee is doing, what Memphis Grizzlies is doing, they actually have that leader on their team. When you take a look at the trajectory, of course, before they started shaking things up, of what Sacramento was doing with Rondo. And I'm using Rondo because he he would be the perfect veteran. A Rondo-like player would be a perfect veteran for this organization as of right now because... So why not just bring back Dennis Schroeder? But Dennis Struder has already been in this. How can I put this without getting in trouble? He <laughs> has some issues going on in that locker room. Let me just say that. And that's something that both you and I definitely knows. I'm not too sure if Dennis Struder will actually want to come back and be a part of this again. And as you just mentioned, they already had a couple of veterans that actually wanted to move on, uh, wanted to move on because of it. I just look at it like this. I, I... So and I plus, think and plus if they go out and get a new veteran, like somebody like a Rondo, whoever the case might be. And I keep saying Rondo because he's the perfect example of what I what I'm what of the type of veteran I would like to see this organization get. He can actually come in and help change the culture. Because look, Steven Silas just mentioned the mistakes that you made this year and even last year as well, they're not going to be acceptable in next season. But if you don't really have a leader, I'm not too sure if. These young guys, and it's not a shot at nobody, but I'm not too sure that these young guys are going to be like, okay, I can't do X, Y, and Z no more. So here's the thing. They have the they have that type of leader on their team, one who does lead by example. He's just not vocal. So I, if you're talking about bringing in a guy who has talent but who's also vocal, then I'll say yes, because Eric, Eric Gordon's issue is he's not vocal. And if he was more vocal, then maybe the trajectory of that locker room would have been a little bit different because you heard Coach Silas tell us today how much those guys mm-hmm. respect him and how much they like watching him play and playing with him. So he is a leader. He's just not vocal. So I guess now what I'm starting to understand is you talking about a player and you mentioned a player like Rondo who is a, a veteran who is talented, can play, but is also a vocal leader and can tell those there's somebody that those young guys can respect when he speaks. Yes. I exactly. got you. John Wall. You know what? You know what? What I will say to that point, though, had he been okay coming off the bench, I think he would have been a perfect leader for this organization. And we would not be sitting here talking about a team that is 20 and 62 to end the 2022 campaign. Can we have this conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can actually have this conversation on the other side of the break because I do want to get into what Raphael Stone had to say about John Wall's quote unquote future, talking about nothing has changed. Oh, a lot has changed. But if you are looking for a place to wager this year, Bet online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you will receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just remember to use the promo code BELIEVE to get started. BELIEVE is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Because Bet Online is where the game starts. Before we close out this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, of course, with the exit interviews that took place on yesterday, 
There was questions about John Wall and Sarge. I really do believe the shenanigans here in the city of Houston over the past year, the fact that Deshaun Watson and John Wall made it combine what, 60 to 70, $80 million to do absolutely nothing. It's part of the reason why I don't believe we're going to have football or basketball in the next couple of years because there will be a major strike and they're going to use the city of Houston as their primary examples. But of course, this is an organization that went through the entire season with this John Wall cloud hanging over the organization. Now, I'm not going to talk bad on Wall because in the first segment, we talked about Jalen Green's development. And when he was hurt during those 20 years before John Wall departed and, you know, just stopped coming around the team, there was a moment where both Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. were hurt. And you saw it along with me. John Wall set right in the middle of them and you can actually see wall throughout the game pointing and, and showing and you know kind of coaching those guys from the sideline as both of those guys was hurt and the one thing i did notice especially for a guy like kevin porter jr it helped them with their development and it doesn't get talked about a lot i don't know maybe because people might want to look at john wall as a bad guy now i don't know but i do want to give John Wall, a special shout out and a salute because I do believe he actually helped with that development of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Now, with that being said, to pay this man $40 million to do absolutely nothing is- 47 next year. 47 because he picked up his player option. It just, it's hard to see them going through this for another season. And- they came close to trading him to the Los Angeles Lakers during the trade deadline, you know, bringing back Russell Westbrook. Of course, they was going to buy Westbrook out and just let him go and do his own thing. But Sarge, where do you see this John Wall situation going? Because for me personally, I would not be surprised if we go into training camp and we have another weird scenario with Stone and, and, and Wall or sitting there side by side talking about, yeah, I'm not going to play for an entire season again until they find the right opportunity. And look, I think Steven Silas wasn't lying. There is a market for John Wall. He showed last year he still has talent. I believe he averaged, what, 20 points, seven, eight assists, or whatever the case might be, but not for $47 million. Exactly, and that's exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say. So let me preface everything I'm about to say by saying this. I am a huge John Wall fan. Like, I like John. I like the way he plays. I like the competitiveness in him. I like the dog in him. I don't like what happened in the route that he took this Mm -hmm. year. And the reason why I say that is because I think it's going to take John to realize that John is not John anymore. And I know that's easy for me to say because I'm not John, right? It's easy for me to say, you know, John Wall needs to realize that he's not the you know, the old Washington Wizards, John Wall. And like I said, it's it's easy for me to say because I'm not him. But I think that you were put in a perfect position to be able to make your money and to rebuild yourself and to to rebuild, to, to, to rebuild, to rehab, and to show people who John Wall is. Like you're asking a lot for a franchise to pay you this amount of money and make you the star player when you miss two years of basketball. Hmm. Like you missed two years of competitive basketball. 
right? And so now you're coming back and you're saying, you're saying to yourself, I want to be the leader of this team, but they already have somebody who's ready to take that position and ready to take over. They have a young John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. I honestly and truly believe that if John Wall would have gotten into his mind that he didn't mind being a six man, mm -hmm. he didn't mind coming off the bench. I think that it's his pride and his ego that would not allow him to be that type of player. Like you come off the bench and you're still helping these young guys develop all the while getting your minutes as well and rebuilding your resume as the John Wall who used to jump out of a gym, who wasn't afraid to take the last shot, who could score all these points. You're doing that playing for your next contract. Because you had $42 million and you set out this year. You opted into your player option. You're going to get $47 million next year. And if they can't find you a trade partner, you're going to sit again. So now, if I am a GM, and I'm saying to myself, I like I would love to have you on my team, John. But by the same token, after two years of basketball, you came and played with the Rockets. Your time was limited. You couldn't play in a lot of back-to-back you were on, on a lot of a lot of times you were on a minute restriction. And then when you could have came back healthy, then all of a sudden I don't see you play again. So I haven't seen you play in the last two years. And out of the last five years, you've been in, uh, out of the last five years, four of those you've been injured. So I wish that John Wall would have took the time to re rebuild and rebrand and rehab himself so that now once this contract does end, or I'll put it like this, was there a market for John Wall? It could have been. Like, But ask yourself this question. John, John Wall, you replace Russell Westbrook with John Wall on the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, and they still don't make the play in mm -hmm. because John is very athletic and he's very talented, but how do we know that? How do we know that? So what I felt like you should have done is, like I said, came off the bench as a six man, swallow your ego, swallow your pride. And let me say it like this. If we're going to be 100 with it, Cody, I honestly and truly believe that a lot of it has to do with social media. And this is just my opinion, because John doesn't want to look and see the on social media, people calling him washed. That's how I feel like this, in this in this day and age, everything goes to social media and everybody can say they block it out, but they don't. So, you know, he's like, I'm not going to take that because I still want to be the superstar and around my peers, I want to be known as the all star John Wall. And so but that's not what the Rockets need right now. And when I take a look at the John Wall situation and I thought this media day that was in what September, October, one of those September, months. Yeah. And they were sitting there and he was talking about how he wasn't going to play and Stone was, you know, agreeing with it. And when I look at everything that transpired throughout the season, especially leading up to the All-Star break, I wonder how much Stone and Wall regretted that. Because, Sarge, you made a really good point that I kind of want to want to want to look at a little bit more. You say, you know, Wall could have revamped himself and actually, you know, put himself in a position to get that next contract. But not only that, had he came into the season, accepted a role off the bench or whatever the case might be, played your role and basically used that first half of the season as an audition, there's yes. no way in hell Steven, um, not Steven Silas, Raphael Stone would not have been able to move that guy at the trade deadline. Then he would have put himself in a position where, you know, yeah, I was on a terrible team to start the season, but I showcased that I was still 
at least halfway of the John Wall that we all loved in Washington, you know, he could have been he could have been playing on a playoff team right now. And oh. that would have gave John Wall. What team? Because no, that would have, I, I don't know a team. Maybe Boston, because I think they need a playmaker. But what I'm saying is. But wait, hold on. I got to cut you off. Can I just want to really ask you this real quick? I'm sorry. I apologize. I mean, I'm going to do this a lot, though, in the coming weeks. So just know that. Because I'm old. And when my thoughts come in, I need to blurt them out, right? <laughs> hey, you seen the way I was moving on the basketball court today. So anyway. But Cody, you're saying he could have been on a playoff team. Not as a starter. He would have still no, no, been a six-man. No, not as a starter, but I'm saying he would have been in a better situation for himself. And I got a team you. like a Boston Celtics, who it seems gotcha. like that's the only thing they're missing is just a reliable playmaker. They would have been okay saying, you know what? Yes, his contract is pretty big, but if he could come in and give us 10 to 12 assists, and I damn sure know John Wall is capable of doing that in that system, playing with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Oh, you mean if he was willing to come off yeah, the bench as a six to man come off the bench and use that oh. first half of the season as an audition, he gotcha. would have been in a better situation. And, and, and the same goes for the Rockets as well. And Sarge, I mean, you, you, you have a lot more sources than I do. You know, I'm, I'm starting to build up my sources, but I just don't understand how stone and wall thought that this was a good idea and I didn't have much expectations for the Rockets even though you know we're sitting here with them ended the season with the league's worst record at 20 and 62 I still consider this a successful season for the Rockets because of the development that we saw out of Jalen Green out of Kevin Porter Jr. out of Alperin Shagun out of Josh Christopher the you remember Sarge at the beginning of the season what I was saying I don't believe in old Christopher. Oh, he's just going to spend the season in the G League. And what did I tell you? What did I tell you? You told me, you told me to give it time, wait till he get his legs under him. And, and he's could, fundamentally sound yes. and he'll get it together. Just give him an opportunity because he's a rookie. Yeah. And like he mentioned on yesterday, as soon as around his birthday time, he started to take off. And now I'm considering him to be a foundational piece of this Rockets rebuild. But I say all that just to say, yes, the Rockets leads worst record once again, 20 and 62, like I mentioned, because of the development of all these younger guys. It's a successful season in my book. But yeah. I do believe that Stone, Wall, and this whole organization shot themselves in the foot with this whole John Wall foolishness. Well, I got a question to ask you. What what was what was uh Raphael Stone supposed to do? Well, like what like and I'm really just asking you this question. You got a guy that you have under contract that you got to pay who doesn't want to play. Like, what else can he do but come to that table with, uh, you know, and look amicably like this is both of our decisions when nine times out of ten, it could not have been. I mean, I, look, I don't know if, you know, they both agreed. To, uh, and for those of y'all listening and not watching us visually, I'm doing air quotes. But... Like there was, I don't feel like there, there was nothing that that Raphael Stone could do because if this guy says, "Hey, I'm not gonna play, and I want you to move me, and I want you to train me." Then he's saying, "Okay, like I I can't, I I can, but I don't want to force you to play. I I, I don't want to force you to play. You don't want to be here, so you're not gonna give us the best production when you're out on the floor anyway because your mindset says I don't want to be here, but." With that being said, too, Cody, 
nobody was really uh, blowing up the phone for John Wall either. And I don't think he can accept that. Yeah, but... You know what you just asked me. I, I I look at it this. I look at it like this from a standpoint. Once again, this whole John Wall situation was weird. I don't know one hundred percent the truth. I'm just going off what Stone said on media day. But Stone said when we talked to him a little bit during the trade deadline, and what he said on yesterday, and that was this weird agreement air quotes that <laughs> they said that they wasn't going to play John Wall. And you asked me, you know. What was they going to do? And maybe this, and it's probably what I'm about to say next is probably more so the fact that he was making what well, he was scheduled to make what 80 some million over the next two seasons. Now it's like 47. Um, 90 million, probably, 89 maybe, actually, 89 over these previous, you know, this upcoming season and, and the season that just passed. But it's funny that you asked me, you know, what was he going to do? And it's, and it's also funny because we just had the same conversation. With another team in Houston <laughs> that's on the 16 and Kirby that both of us cover. Yes. And I'm sitting here and I'm putting everything, you know, I'm, I'm putting the I'm putting everything together because there's so many similarities. But what I will say is this one guy in, in the city of Houston, one general manager in the city of Houston had a guy with a no trade clause. The other guy did not. Now, once again, I understand it. Maybe he, I'm pretty sure his money did play a big factor into why we're still talking about John Wall being a member of the Houston Rockets on April 12, 2022. But if I'm Raphael Stone, you've got to move this young man. At some point, you just got to accept what you can accept to move him. And, but with that being said, that money is still on and the that, books. And that's, and, that's, and that's why I said, that's why I said, you know, when I'm when I'm putting the similarities between what the Texans had to go through and what the Rockets had to go through, you had one team that had to deal with a guy with a no trade clause, and then another guy who didn't have a no trade clause that you probably could have moved him to the, any team, you know, through, across the league. But the fact that he was scheduled to make eighty something million over the next two seasons is, like I mentioned, part of the reason why we're still talking about John Wall as a member of the Houston Rockets. And it was six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. That's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 you know, when I was sitting there, you know, listening to Raphael Stone, and 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 I know John Wall wants to play as well, but I do not see them moving on from this situation because look, when you go back to the other team that was off of 16 and Kirby, although Deshaun Watson had his own off the field issues going on, everyone knew the last time we saw Deshaun, he was what by far a top five quarterback in the league. You can yes. rank him however you want to, but you still know he is still a damn good quarterback. As yes. for John Wall, the title of him being a top five point guard, and at one time he was. It surely was. It's long gone. It was long gone way before he put on that Houston Rockets jersey. And now, in terms of when the Texans traded Deshaun, it's like, okay, uh, we hope this not as bad as we <laughs> think, but yeah. we know we still got a premier quarterback. As for other teams, it's like, look, what are we getting? Are we getting Wall in Washington? Are we getting Wall that can't play back to back? Are we going to get Wall by the time you put him on the court? He ain't going to be able to play no more. So, and that's why it's it's, it's very weird. It's a weird situation. I'm it's a pride that. thing for him. It's pride, man. That, yes. That's that's why I say like my biggest takeaway from this is whoever came up with this idea. I think they shot themselves in the foot. I think it might have been best if Wall at least agreed to play half the season, just so you could have something on an audition tape. I'm going to tell you what I did not like. And wait, side note, when I said it's pride, maybe he needs to listen to the J. Cole song, Pride is the Devil. Uh, that's 
Maybe. Maybe. But I'm going to tell you where, where John kind of lost me as a fan. And I want to say as a fan and where he kind of made me a little perplexed when it came to being a credential media member. You just stopped showing up. Mm-hmm. Like you just stopped showing up, John. And then when you stop showing up, you know, around the trade deadline, now you on um, talk about free me and all these other things. And, you know, you put out these videos of you playing one-on-one and, you know, not one-on-one, but your videos of you playing and you still being in shape. And that was great. And all the other, you know, how many teams is in the NBA? 30? 30. This is 30, 30. right? Right. So there was 29 other teams that watched that video too. and was like, ah, we'll pass. Especially, <laughs> especially with the, especially with the amount of money. That, that you command, just like what you mentioned earlier. So, but I, I really felt like it would have been more beneficial for him to just, he could have worked out here. He could have worked out here. He could have done what he needed to do. He just never, like, I put it like this, uh, on Sunday, was it Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday when he was at the game. Yeah, Sunday against the Atlanta Hawks. That's the first time I had seen John in person. Oh, my God, I can't remember. I want to like, say at least January, because I think he stopped coming – I think he stopped uh, showing. He stopped coming, I think, right near Christmas. Because I think he went home for Christmas. He went home for Christmas. And then he had a situation that came up, a family matter that came up. Then he never came back. I didn't see John Wall on the bench again until they played in Miami. Yeah. In March. They played in Miami. And then I didn't see him physically until <laughs> the last game of the season. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the stuff wall was doing and this is another reason why i'm really rooting for steven solace because i cannot think of a coach who went into a situation where you had what four the wall probably would be four important veteran all-star caliber player one of your main guys basically tell you i don't want to play for you you know yes you know, I mean, I don't want to put Westbrook in this situation because Westbrook really wasn't here that long. And, you know, I've heard stories that, you know, Stephen and them kind of already knew Westbrook was kind of checked out the door. But the fact that you went through it with James Harden, even though he's not on the level, you're talking about a guy who I really think would have been extremely helpful just for his leadership, P.J. Tucker. He had that situation with him. Um, Now you've seen it happen with John Wall, and that's another reason why I kind of, you know, is uh, it's gaining a new profound spec for Eric Gordon because that's somebody that he can actually um you know kind of depend on you and you 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 heard Steven Silas talking about how much these guys love Eric Gordon but the fact that you know John Wall is the what the fourth player that basically say I don't want to play for you it sucks and that's part of the main reason why I'm rooting for Steven Silas as of as of today. So we just leaving out the the goat a goat boogie cousins <laughs> hey, look, and you know what? I, listen, I go on record by saying it because I'm not afraid of Boogie. Uh, I, I've been around, and plus, if he hit me, I'm just gonna fall and sue. And if I, I don't know if I can run away from him, but I mean, he's had some. Away. You can run away. Boogie has not move no more. He has some injuries, but I'll say this: there's no possible way that you could come on a Zoom, uh, uh come into a press conference on Zoom and tell us that you know just some guys just didn't want to be here and we didn't want them here and this locker room is blase this blase that and then how how much longer later you was ready to go and get up out of here right after you got right after the Houston Rockets organizations did you a solid by guaranteeing your contract 
And then right after that, you became the person that you said that this locker room didn't need. Question. And and I, I want you to answer this with John Wall as well, then we're going to go. You mentioned Boogie Cousin. Do you think Boogie Cousin will help this team avoid a 20 and 62 record? Like James Harden and even John Wall and the leadership of the veteran that I want to see the Rockets have in PJ Tucker. What benefit was was Steven Silas and the Rockets was going to have out of the Marcus Cousins? Oh, you know what? My bad. <laughs> you thought when I said goat, I meant greatest of all time. No, I meant bye. <laughs> <laughs> Because ain't no way. Listen, if Boogie was here, he'd already had a fight with PJ. Oh, oh. <laughs> him and Shingoon would have definitely fought. Him and, and Christian Wood would have fought. And it was no damn way that you throwing the ball in the Boogie and he throwing it out to Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. Look, look, <laughs> Boogie reminds me of, you remember, you, you probably too young to remember them, uh, them Leon commercials, them uh, Budweiser commercials, the one where he used to be like, uh, ain't no I, they tell you, ain't no I in teams. Like, yeah, ain't no we either. <laughs> so, you know, I can see Demarcus being on this team and Jalen was like, hey, man, you going to pass the ball? I'd be like, no, Boogie doesn't pass. <laughs> Boogie going to do what Boogie want to do. So, yeah, I didn't, my bad. I didn't mean greatest of all time. I meant, oh gosh. I should have put Billy in front of the GOAT. Huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And you can follow me, Big Sarge, at Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end on Twitter and Instagram. I know it is funny, right? When I say with the Z at the end, people just look at me like, that's so black. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot in store for you guys this offseason. We're going to continue doing our Houston Rockets recap. As you guys know, we talked about Jalen Green. We got a lot to continue breaking down about his development. And you guys know me rooting for my boy, Kevin Porter Jr. We're going to dive into his development on the next installment. Of course, continuing talking about takeaways from the Houston Rockets exit interviews. Wait, I got to ask one question real quick before we leave. Mm -hmm. Who won? The exit interviews today. I think Josh Christopher. Al P wanted with both show. Oh. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. <laughs>